Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. This week, guys, we have an episode coming for you that I don't think many people will know. Um, And it does go against what we know about the Second World War. So, obviously, we know basics about the Second World War. Some of you probably know a little bit more um, than others. Some of you may even know more about the Second World War than I do. Um, But did you know that the British attacked their allies, the French, in one of, of probably one of the most controversial acts of the Second World War? One that actually saw French soldiers killed by British, um, and it was named Operation Catapult. So some of you may may know this, may have heard about this, um, but for those of you who haven't, this uh, this will be a an, an interesting episode, and certainly one that you won't have uh, won't be aware of. Now, Operation Catapult was the name given to Britain's attack on the naval fleet in France in July 1940. Operation Catapult was strategic. It was an attempt to ensure that the Germans did not get their hands on six battleships and two battle cruisers that the French had in their fleet. Now, seems sensible, but you've got to remember, when the Germans entered into France and took France... They didn't replace all of the soldiers on those ships with German soldiers. These were still French naval uh, sailors. Um, The German attack on France had been massively successful in the spring of 1940. And after Dunkirk, the French made it very clear that they were willing to sound out uh, from Germans and surrender. Britain gave its support to this, but on one condition. The French fleet had to sail to British harbours if the French were to surrender. If Britain was to fight Germany alone, she needed to exploit to the full her naval supremacy in the seas. The fall of France would have given Germany the use of the French Channel and the French Atlantic ports which by their very nature geographically was a threat to the British Royal Navy. If Germany was successful in the Western Mediterranean Sea, especially as her ally Italy had entered the war on June the 10th, the British naval supremacy in the Mediterranean would have been threatened as well. Therefore, Britain had to do it all to reduce this impact fearing that the Germans would take over the French Navy, Britain requested that it should sail to Britain before the French surrender. Britain also feared the German takeover of her naval bases at Dakar and Mers al-Kiba, both of which could have been used to attack the Allied convoys going around the African coastline to the Far East. Many of the ships in the French Navy were modern in design, though lacking in modern radar and sonar. Admiral of the fleet Darlan uh, had gone uh, done a great deal to improve the efficiency and discipline found within the navy. The French Navy wasn't great, you know. Let's not let's not make any shadows. 
really, the French weren't any good after Trafalgar. But um, they did have quite good ships. You know, their navy might not have been great, but the ships were were modern. Um, the navy had played its part in the evacuation at Dunkirk, and as the German army marched west, the French navy sailed for its African bases. A number of older ships had set sail uh, for Plymouth and Portsmouth. These were two old battleships, six destroyers, two older battleships, and a seaplane carrier docked at Mars El Kiba, near the coast of um, Algeria. Six cruisers were based in the Algiers, and a number of ships were based in Alexandria in Egypt, where there were supporting Admiral Cunningham's Eastern Mediterranean fleet. Now, as you can imagine, at the start of the war, the French and the British were allies. So the British required the French, knowing that they were going to surrender, to, to even if they were going to, obviously they couldn't fight. The terms of the surrender meant that the French Navy couldn't fire on German battleships. Couldn't, wasn't allowed, part of the surrender. So those battleships would automatically become German unless the British had control of them. When the French were presented with the German terms of surrender, they included the instruction that all French warships were to harbour in France where they would be disarmed. Now we all know that the Germans weren't going to disarm them, they were just going to use them. But the German terms stated that the Germans would not use the French ships for their own purposes. I still don't believe that was going to happen. With the exception of coastal boats that would be used for mine sweeping. Now, the British, uh, the British ambassador at Bordeaux, Sir Ronald Campbell, communicated these terms to London. Churchill went on radio to castigate for the French accepting the German terms. However, in the midst of his anger, Churchill was not informed of a last-minute concession made by the Germans on June the 22nd. This insisted that disarming the warships had to happen in French African ports, not in France. The Germans agreed to this, and on the 23rd of June, Campbell and his staff left Bordeaux for Britain, and he never got to know about this concession. After this, communications between Churchill's government and the French became pretty poor. The formal agreement of the terms of surrender occurred on June the 30th. Now, the lack of communication between the British and the French was to have dire consequences. As early as June the 20th, Darlan had sent a coded order to the captains of the war base, uh, the warships based in the French African ports. And it said, do not surrender your ships intact to the Germans. On June the 24th, he repeated this order with specific instructions to make preparations to scuttle the ships if it seemed likely that they were to be captured. Now, the British were unaware of this uh, instruction, and on June the 27th, the British government took the decision that the French ships could not allow, not be allowed to fall into the hands of the Germans and that the Royal Navy were to ensure that this was not to happen. On the 28th of June, Force H was created under, uh, under Vice Admiral James Summerfield 
and the flagship of Force H was to be HMS Hood. Now, for those of you who have got good memory, you'll remember one of the episodes called the Bismarck. Um, the Bismarck, obviously being one of the greatest German battleships, actually sunk HMS Hood. But up until this point, HMS Hood was the pride of the Royal Navy. It was the battleship. It was the unsinkable ship, so to speak. The battleship Resolution, Valiant and the carrier Ark Royal with 11 destroyers made up this force um, and it was to be based in Gibraltar. On the 1st of July, Somerville received his orders um, as first commander of Force H to secure the transfer, surrender or destruction of the French warships in North Africa. On July the 3rd, Force H arrived at Mars El Kiba and the command of the French ships there, Admiral Gensoul, was then given four choices. Join the British fleet and continue to fight the Germans. Be escorted to the West Indies or to a British port. Have the ships disarmed at Oran under the supervision of the British. Or scull the ships where they were harboured. That was it. For basically, follow us or destroy the ships. You're either going to give them to us, or you will sink your own ships. They were the four options that they had. If the Admiral refused to accept any of the choices, Somerville would use force to destroy the ships. However, many senior officers in Force H were wary of using force against a navy that had until recently been fighting on their side. They expressed their reservations to Somerville, who, impressed by their arguments and stance, forwarded this information to the Admiralty. He received a reply that the government expected the French ships to be destroyed, and it was their firm intention um, to do this. Gensol, the French Admiral, refused to meet the British naval officer Captain Holland on his flagship Dunkirk, However, Holland was informed that the French would not start any action, but force would be met with force if the Royal Navy started to attack his fleet. So now he's disagreeing, saying we're not going to do that, but if you fire upon us, we'll fire back. So now this is not peaceful. Matters were made more tense when the British mined the entrance of the harbour using planes from the Ark Royal. Gensol kept in contact with Darlan during this standoff. However, the records show that that Gensol only told Darlan of one of the British ultimatums, that the fleet would be destroyed within six hours. The other choices were never relayed back to the British Admiralty. In response to this message, Darlan ordered all the French naval ships in the Mediterranean to steam to Mars El Kiba to assist Gensol. So, now, you're causing real tensions. Now, at the moment, the admiral in charge of the, the, navy, the French navy at Mars El Kiba has told his admiralty that the British just want to destroy these ships. So he sent a message out to the rest of the French Navy saying that's where you need to go because the British are going to attack us. 
the Admiralty, the British Admiralty picked up this message and relayed it to Somerville that he could shortly expect far more French ships around the area. This effectively forced Somerville's hand. He now knows that if the rest of the French Navy gets there, he can't follow through his plan. Those ships aren't going to follow him and he hasn't got the might there to attack the the full force of the French Navy. So at 6 p.m., 1800 hours, on July the 3rd, the British Royal Navy opened fire. The Royal Navy's ships were in open water and could manoeuvre themselves into a perfect firing position. The French could not do this as they were in a confined space in the harbour. The first ship to be sunk was the battleship Bretagne. A shell exploded in her ammunition uh, capsule and within seconds the ship capsized, killing 977 men. The Dunkirk was also hit and damaged to her boiler room, which took away her power, so that she had to drop anchor in the harbour. The Provence was also hit and beached by her captain to prevent the ship from sinking and the subsequent loss of life, and the destroyer Mogador was also hit with the loss of 37 men. In the confusion and disguised by the the extensive smoke, the battleship Strasbourg managed to leave the port and somehow avoided the mines at the harbour entrance. After a 13-minute bombardment, Somerville ordered an end to the firing. The Strasbourg managed to get to the Toulon, um, so it managed to escape, and Force H returned to Gibraltar. On July the 4th, planes from the Ark Royal were ordered to return to Mars El Kiba and finish off the Dunkirk, as it was believed that the ship only had sustained minor damage. The attack led to the death of 150 men and put the Dunkirk out of action for a full year. An attack by the, air ca- uh, the aircraft carrier Hermes um, on the Reichelieu at Dakar um, damaged their new battleship but n- didn't really it just damaged it, it didn't put it out of action delicate negotiations at, Ag- at Alexandria led to a non-violent settlement where the French disarmed their ships and defueled them after Cunningham gave his word that no force would be used against the men who had worked so well with the British fleet under his command in the eastern Mediterranean At Plymouth and Portsmouth, armed British sailors took over the French ships that were harboured there in the struggle to take control of the submarine uh, Surcouf. A French officer was killed and two British officers were wounded. The French crews were in turn uh, basically imprisoned uh, on the Isle of Man. Um, So, yeah, this wasn't a peaceful conflict. Now, the biggest question, like I said, with this, when you look at it, the British had orders. The British had to make sure that the German, uh, sorry, that the French fleet did not end up in German hands. The French had fought alongside the British for almost a year at this point. The French, um, essentially the French soldiers, the reason we managed to get so many out at Dunkirk was because of the French. The French knew they were going to surrender, but they still held the line. They stopped the Germans 
attacking, essentially attacking the beaches or reaching the beaches at Dunkirk. The French didn't want to surrender. The Germans had blitzed their way through northern France, straight into Paris, straight around the Maginot Line, and France were completely blindsided by it. Now, Britain and France have always been, I would say, I wouldn't say enemies, but there's always been a tension there. And ever since the First World War, those tensions subsided because the Germans entered the entered French territory and the British went there, stood up for the French and knocked them back. And the British and the French formed sort of an alliance there to be the, the main powers in Europe. You know, there wasn't really animosity between the two countries. And then the Second World War rolls around, Britain and France guaranteed to be allies we stand up for each other we can see what's going on in um, eastern europe in poland and the british and the french yet again stand together against tyranny Um, all of a sudden france is defeated within sort of months of the war starting the british are left on their own those warships the britain Britain was a successful, or has been a successful country in terms of um, warfare, in terms of um, globalization and things like that, or you'd call it colonization if you if you want to want to be using that word. But Britain were the powers in the world, and all of that was built on the British Navy. The British Navy. Um, was and always has been the best in the world. Our our boats are superior, our sailors were superior, um, our weaponry was superior, and we couldn't allow Germany to take control in the Second World War of the waters. The waters around the Mediterranean, the waters around uh, Spain, the waters around the British Channel... All of those were massively important supply lines for the British. If we couldn't get, and, and, and at the start of the war, if, if Britain couldn't get the supplies that they needed from America, they weren't going to get them from anywhere. So Britain would have been completely isolated. The only reason Britain managed to survive as long as they did without any help in the Second World War was the Navy and was the ability to bring products from America and from the other colonies around the world to British ports and they could not have done that if the Germans had taken the French Navy as well because it would have given them huge superiority you know it doesn't matter how good your soldiers are and how good your ships are if you're outnumbered 10 to 1 it doesn't matter you're still not going to win so Operation Catapult was a necessity the British had to make sure that those ships did not fall into the hands of the Germans. Now, it's always questioned as to whether it was a success. Now, on the one hand, a large number of French warships were destroyed and did not fall into the hands of the Germans. Tick. Success. Whether they would have been used in the German Navy or whether they would have tilted the balance towards the Germans we'll never know like I said 
This is the start of the war. We don't really know. The British were still the superior navy. The Germans weren't as good. The Kriegsmarine, the German Kriegsmarine were not as good. Um, And at the start of the war, they didn't have the power to take on the British Navy. They knew that. That's why they never invaded Britain through sea. They, They knew they couldn't take on our Navy. So would it have tilted them in their favour? We don't know. And and the question will always be asked, well, they might not have it might not have made a difference. And also the Germans may have stuck to their guns and said, Well, yeah, we'll take your ships, but we're not going to use them for their primary use. We're not going to use them as battleships. Um you know, when the Germans entered the port of Toulon, where the, uh, the surviving French warships were harboured, the French actually scuttled them themselves. So, again, on the the ones that the British didn't sink or British didn't have involvement in, the French sunk them anyway. So, did we really need to use force and kill over a thousand men to get the same outcome that the French had promised they would do anyway. Um, the damage was done to between British and French relations. Um, in late May 1940, the French and the British navies um, had been comrades in during Dunkirk, and just weeks later, over a thousand French sailors um, who had served at Dunkirk, saving the British fleet and saving the British soldiers, were killed during Operation Catapult. Many people in France, as I'm sure you can imagine, found this very, very hard to accept. Um, And it has been argued that it encouraged some of the French people to corroborate with the Germans um, through the evidence. Um, This is hard to to admit. You know, it's hard to actually find hard evidence to suggest this happened. But it's been said that, you know... If you are a mother or a father of a young French sailor, your son has fought at Dunkirk saving British soldiers, your country has then fallen to the same people that you've just fought against, he's then on a ship in the middle of the Mediterranean to find out that his ship's been sunk by the same guys that he was just fighting alongside... I'm not sure you'd want to be friends with them. And I'm sure you there might be a part where you, of you that thinks maybe the Germans are better than the British. And like I said, you look back through history, the French have never really liked us and we've never really liked the French. So, in fact, if you ask most British people now, even though there's been two world wars and one World Cup, by the way... Um, don't think British people would still pick the French over the Germans. I just don't see it. Me personally, if I was given the choice, or who do you prefer, Germans or French, I would still say the Germans. Um, and 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 I think a lot. I I think a lot of British people would 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 agree with me on that. If you're British and you disagree, then that's fine. But you know, the the tensions between the British and the French have always been there. So. If you're in that situation, would you be more inclined to help the Germans? I think you would. Um, The internment of sailors who had sailed to Britain at the request of the British government was another source of great anger. Um, 
you know, it it res- showed that the British would re- basically be heartless, and they wanted to stop the German military at any point. And if that meant killing a French captain to commandeer the ship and to send all the sailors into into prison, <laughs> fine. Because at the point that these ships had sailed into British harbours, the operation had already turned sour in the Mediterranean and sailors had been lost. So these French sailors pulling into British ports are now aware that British... Uh, British Navy have murdered, and I will say murdered because it was, you know, they obliterated some of their friends. You're going to want to, you're probably going to want to turn your ship around and go, nah, sodger, we're not going to help you now. But they couldn't. So, again, the British were, were very harsh. And Operation Catapult, it goes down, I'll be honest, 50 50. I'm not 100% sure that I can say it was a success because it achieved its goal. It definitely achieved the goal of stopping the Germans getting their ships. But to what cost? And like I said, we will never know whether the Germans, had they have got those ships, whether it would have made a difference. So... Yeah, I'm not sure. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you think this was a successful operation. I suppose from a purely military standpoint it was. Because they achieved their objective. The objective was to make sure they didn't fall into German hands. They didn't fall into German hands. But the loss of over a thousand men who were against people who were supposed to be your allies. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, and I'm sure there's been military blunders, um, well, there's been military blunders in every war, but this one is one that sort of, especially in Britain, we don't talk about, we don't talk about this, this is not one that is is spoken about, we don't talk about the losses in Britain, it's the same reason we don't talk about the War of Independence, because we don't want to talk about it, because we lost, you know, it's it's one of those things Britain in this country we do not learn about the time Britain was defeated we don't we just don't talk about it in fact the only time we probably do talk about it is 1066 and that is only because it's extremely relevant to today in the fact that the bloodline from William the Conqueror is still on the throne now nearly a thousand years later that's probably the only time we talk about a defeat and even then we almost talk about it as a victory you know we were we almost talk about it on the basis of all oh, Harold Godwinson shouldn't have been the king um and William was kind of promised to be the king and he came over and he he took over the country but look at what he did he built castles he did this he did that and yeah it it's almost spoken about as a victory even though it was a defeat mainly like the americans do about the war of 1812 you know you talk about that as a victory but actually you lost so um and if you're new to the show and you find that a little bit distressing go back and listen to the war of 1812 the episode i did on it you'll understand why it was a loss because the americans did lose that war regardless of what you're taught in schools but 
you know, let me know. Do you think this was a successful operation, or do you think the loss of life means that the British realistically shouldn't have done what they did? I don't know. Let me know. Thank you for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.